very much uh, indeed, Daph. And uh, we um, so just do little things differently. Where I need seven readers to read the Bible, and you can stay seated where you are. I'm going to give you the passage. So I need seven hands to go up, seven volunteers. Right, thank you. You're number one. Right, you're number two. You're number three. Anybody else? Yeah, you'll do it if you want. Yeah, number four. Thank you, Beth. Uh, Philip was number two. I've forgotten who you are, so you just have to remember. But I've given you five, six... And seven. Last but not least. Wonderful. Um, thank you very much indeed. Um, put your hand down, my friend, sir. Snooze, you lose. <laughs> just joking. Um, no, we're uh, really inspired by Mo Farah. He's one of our um, national treasures. <clears throat> and he's Sir Mo Farah. But it came out recently um, that that's actually not his real name. We're going to watch a three-minute video about Mo Farah. <clears throat> truth is, I'm not who you think I am. Most people know me as Mo Farah, but it's not my name or it's not the reality. The real story is, I was born in Somaliland as Hussein Abdi Kahin. When I was four, my dad was killed in a civil war. I was separated from my mother and I was brought into the UK illegally under the name of another child called Mohammed Farah. I was nine years old I thought I was going out to Europe to live with relatives. I remember getting on a plane with this lady. I'm like, I'm excited because I've never been on a plane before. So we got off the plane with the woman. We go through passport check and the lady going, yeah, don't forget Mohammed, Mohammed. I was like, yeah, Mohammed, Mohammed. Go through, we see this man standing, just looking around. Where's Mohammed? Where is he? He was her husband and their family name was Farah. He was waiting for them and his oldest son, Mohammed. That's when I realized I had taken Mohammed's place. I had all the contact details from my relative. And once we got to the house, the lady took it off me and right in front of me, ripped them up and put it in the bin. And at that moment, I knew I was in trouble. I wasn't treated as part of the family. I was always that kid who did everything. My job was to cook for them, clean for them. I wanted to go to school. She was like, no, you can't. It's not time yet. You can't leave the house. Eventually, she let me go. He was coming into school. He was unkempt. He was uncared for. And we were more and more worried that the family wasn't as it should be. And in fact, Mo was not being supported in the right way when he was at home. Mohammed is disruptive in most lessons and can become involved in fights in the classroom. As time went on, we had incredible behaviour difficulties with Mo across the school and we needed to speak to somebody. Most family never turned up. Parents not attending meetings with head of year, emotionally and culturally alienated. There is a feeling of frustration and isolation about him. I feel sad when I'm with him. If I asked Mo to explain to me what was going on or where his parents were, why hadn't they come in, he would say that they were busy. He was very quick to change the subject. Often I never talk about anything because I couldn't. I was scared what will happen later on. So she told you don't talk about anything? Anything. Otherwise she... I was in big trouble. 
And I guess for me, only thing that I could do in my control to run away from this was get out and run. And he is uh, one of the greatest runners of all time. Actually got a Pembrokeet connection, that film. It won a BAFTA award, the real Mo Farah, and it, one of the producers was Hannah, who used to live there. <laughs> her her mum still lives there. So, um, uh, it's a massive issue, and as Daf said, it can feel like a bit of a Goliath. Um, got the PowerPoint, please, Tracy. 40 to 50 million, that's an estimate. It's all underground, we don't entirely know. Some say 40, some say more than 50. Million people living in modern slavery worldwide. Um, generates $150 billion a year. And, uh, and yet, the people who are being prosecuted for this uh, crime, uh, the traffickers, uh, is actually, the number is fairly minimal and it's declining. And most uh, who are trafficked are then found uh, in, uh, they're exploited, um, uh, sexually exploited, or they're forced to work, uh, or like Mo Farah, they're um, uh, domestic uh, servants, and you don't see them. Uh, just this week, maybe you've heard of Andrew Tate. Um, who's a fan of Andrew Tate? Don't admit it, please. Um, he's, a, he's a misogynist, he's a, he's a, a YouTube, or he's a, just an influencer. Uh, he's earned a lot of money uh, off showing pe- men how to control women. And uh, just this week, he's been uh, in court uh, again with charges of human trafficking. <clears throat> so it's a massive issue. And uh, I'm amazed how actually so many people like Andrew Tate. I can't quite believe it, but uh, they do. Uh, and uh, so it can feel like a massive issue. And I also, my disclaimer, what do I know? Um, you know, but just felt right to bring this subject to the Lord today and just uh, to, to reflect on it together. I've been told about one person uh, called Angela. Angela is uh, from Nigeria. She was uh, trafficked from there in 2014 and uh, forced into prostitution. She was imprisoned um, and basically never got out of the house. Uh, and men would come and visit and have sex with her when she was a teenager. And then somehow she arrived in France, in Nantes, uh, and uh, that was in September 2016. She was on the streets for six years or so. Uh, finally, just last year, she was accepted into a safe house, and that photo was taken the very day she was accepted into a safe house. Uh, and then, as I understand it, just this month, she is training as a carer. I know about Angela um, through some friends, but just look how long it took her to get off the streets. And that's because um, French authorities took a while to process her. You know, she didn't have the right passport or papers and so on. Uh, the friends I'm, that I know are Marcel and Osa Georgel. Next slide, please. And uh, they live in Nantes, uh, I knew Marcel in my 20s when I was working with Operation Mobilization over there, and uh, he was working for them full-time. And for the last uh, 14 years, they've been going out on the streets of Nantes. That's a big city, but it's not like London, uh, and they've met nearly a 1,000 or so women trafficked into prostitution in Nantes alone. And uh, they've journeyed with them, they've prayed with them, um, and they've helped people like Angela get off the streets Uh, But it's a long process often. And sometimes they just listen to people uh, and meet with them. Uh, You'll notice it's called Rahab Ministry. uh, And you may have heard the name Rahab. She was uh, a prostitute in the Bible, but held up as a woman of faith. And she's actually in Jesus' genealogy. Uh, 
uh, and so they call this Rahab ministry. Well, someone else who suffered uh, in the Bible was, uh, struggled in the Bible was Joseph. And you know Joseph. He had a Technicolor dream coat. And uh, he was given that by his dad. He was dad's favorite. Who's his dad's favorite? Me. Um, I'm joking. <coughs> his brothers hated him. And they wanted to get rid of him. And one day he comes along to them when they're out in the fields. And uh, here comes that dreamer, they say. Let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. But then they say, well, no, let's not kill him. And then these traders come along and they decide they're going to sell him. We're going to read from Genesis 37. First reading, please. Judah said to his brothers... No, hang on. Stop, stop, stop. It's Tanya first. You're number two. Yeah. I think? No, come back. So what? Can't speak in here. Oh, I number can. one first, then you're number two. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the night merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Thank you. Um, now the, the selling of him was kind of a, an afterthought. So it's Philip next and then it's Sally. So Sally could have that mic. Thank you, Alistair. Um, but nonetheless, he got sold. I was driving to a gig yesterday along a country road and I saw a sign. And the sign said, um, 110 pounds, half a pig. And I was tempted to buy it. Um, I'm guessing it was dead. Um, and as I was driving along, I thought, which half would I get? I thought, shall I put it in the back of the car and take it home to my vegetarian children? Maybe not. We can buy and sell animals. And we can buy and sell other things too. Uh, but no person should be bought or sold. I'm guessing we all agree with that. Do you know, people used to defend slavery in the time of the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, they would say, well, you know, it's in the Bible, and uh, it's clearly God-ordained, and God doesn't actually kind of prohibit it. So they accepted it. In fact, they defended it from the pulpit. And then the abolitionists and people looked at the Bible again, and they saw that actually, no, God is a God of freedom. God wants us to love everybody and to do unto others as we'd have them do to us. And everybody's made in God's image. And so they saw the overarching story of the Bible, and they thought, slavery is wrong. And we'd all agree with that. And the governments would all outlaw it. But it goes on today underground. But no one should be bought and sold like a pig, <laughs> like a commodity. No human should be bought Joseph was sold for 20 shekels of silver. And now he had an owner. His owner was a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar was one of the officials of Pharaoh in Egypt. And um, Joseph went and worked for him. Now, God was with him. And everything 
Joseph did prosper. He was to leadership and management what Mo Farah is to running. <laughs> he was so successful. He was just such a natural. He was so blessed by God. Potiphar saw that and put him in charge of absolutely everything. Now, unfortunately for Joseph, he was also well-built and handsome. And Potiphar's wife fancied him. So when Potiphar went off on business, Potiphar's wife said, come to bed with me. And Joseph said, I couldn't do that. I've got uh, authority over everything in the household except for you. I couldn't sin against my master. I couldn't sin against God. Uh, but she keeps nagging him, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. And eventually, as he tries to get away, he, she holds onto his cloak. And then we're here at a second reading. Thank you, Philip. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me and to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help... He left his coat beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the the king's prisoners were confined. Thank you. If you'd seen Joseph gone to Potiphar's house, you might think, Wow, this is a powerful man. He's in charge of the whole of the household, wealthy estate and so on. Uh, But notice how Potiphar's wife refers to him. She says, that Hebrew slave. Doesn't matter how successful he may well be, how good he is or what he does, he's still that Hebrew slave. His identity is still one of being a slave. He's not his own. He's owned by someone else. And Potiphar is his master. This is how your slave, she said, has treated me. Now he burned with anger, Potiphar did, whether it was because uh, of what Joseph he thought had done or whether it's because he knew his wife was lying, we don't actually know. Uh, but he had no choice and so he had to put, make an example of Joseph and put him in prison. Joseph went from a successful position right down to the bottom. I want to say that looks can be deceptive. You know, during the transatlantic slave trade, it was kind of obvious when people were slaves but now it's not so obvious is it Uh, and it can happen right under our noses and it's happening in this country thousands of people actually in slavery just as it's also true that you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes in in so many people's lives we can be so surprised looks can be deceptive people might look free but they're not it was certainly um, the case for joseph he looked like he was thriving But in fact, he was at the mercy of his master. So he ends up in prison, but again, God blesses him. And and, and we'll just hear the next reading, please. And I can't remember who that is. Number four. Oh, yes, Sally, sorry. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. Thank you. The Lord was with him whatever you're going through. God is with you. God doesn't promise an easy ride necessarily, but he'll be with you through it. Joseph's in prison. And then these other two join him. Uh, Officials of the king, uh, 
servants of the king. One of them is the baker, and one of them is, uh, I want to say the candlestick maker, that's not true, the chief cupboard bearer. And they get in trouble with Pharaoh, so they get in prison alongside Joseph. And they both have dreams. And Baker's dream turns out to be not so good. He gets killed. But the chief cupbearer, his dream is good, and he's going to be restored to Pharaoh. And so then Joseph says this to him, and we'll have the next reading, please. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He might have thought, this is my chance. This is my cry for help cry for justice. This man's going to get out. God's provided me a way so that I, my situation can be heard about. Please put in a good word for me. Remember me. Show me kindness. But people do let us down, don't they? And the chief cupbearer just does not remember Joseph. He forgets him. But I want to say God doesn't forget. And those who we don't see, those who are suffering behind closed doors, things that go on God sees the unseen. Potiphar's wife maybe has forgotten all about Joseph by now. God sees the unseen and remembers the forgotten. I was hearing about one woman. She just struggled. She just, again, like the story, she just struggled working for this family day and night, completely forgotten. Eventually she did get out. God remembers the unseen and remembers, uh, sees the unseen, sorry, and remembers the forgotten. But then, After two years, Pharaoh himself has a dream. We could sing a song, couldn't we? (sighs) But we won't. Pharaoh has a dream. And uh, no one can interpret the dream. And he's befuddled. What does this dream mean? And then the chief cupbearer says, Ah, there was somebody. I forgot. He's in prison. You know, you remember you were cross with me that time? You chucked me in prison. Oh, yeah, yeah, but we're friends now. Oh, well, there's, a, there's a guy in prison who can interpret dreams. Well, let's get him out. So they scrubbed him up and he had a shave and got him all cleaned up. Brought him before Pharaoh. And Joseph is able, or God is able through Joseph, to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And then Pharaoh says this. Next reading, please. Said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Thank you. Joseph goes from the bottom, languishing in prison, as good as forgotten about, and he goes to the top. You know, God exalts the humble. God lifts up those who are bowed down. God gives gifts to his people. And when we obediently use them for his glory, he is magnified. And then we might get put in positions where we can help others. 
So then what happens, of course, as, as, as God has revealed through the dream, is that there are seven years of plenty, during which time Joseph, who's now in charge of the whole land of Egypt, uh, gathers up all the stocks, all the crops, and all the rest of it, because he knows, through God's inspiration, through God's revealing this, that there's going to be seven years of famine. Of course, nobody else knew about this, but Joseph knew. And so they gather up all the, the stocks in the storehouses, and then after two years, Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because they've heard that there's food in Egypt. They're desperate. And so they make the journey up uh, to Egypt. Joseph, Joseph recognises them, but they don't recognise him. And so then there's all this toing and froing back and forth, and Joseph's full of emotion, and they just don't know who he is. And then we get to Genesis 45, and Steve's going to read the next bit. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Thank you so much. Did you notice there, uh, in the second verse, Joseph is weeping so loudly that even the people out of the room and this is not Middle Eastern exuberance. This is deep pain being, just coming out because years and years of suffering at the hand of his ragtag, rough and ready brothers. And it's just all coming out now. He can't contain himself anymore. Of course, they're terrified when their eyes are open up and they see uh, who he is. But then this is the miracle of grace. What does he say? Come close to me. Come close to me. I am your brother. He even says, don't beat yourselves up about this. God sent me ahead of you to save lives. We see in the picture of Joseph, in the story of Joseph, a precursor to Jesus. Jesus hangs on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus says, I am your brother and I'm going ahead of you. Jesus says, I have been sent and I have been uh, uh, to save lives. Come close to me, Jesus says. You sold me. You sent me to the cross. But this is about saving your lives for a great deliverance. I want to say this morning, 
God delivers. God redeems. God brings freedom. As we talk about the Goliath of human trafficking, as we think about the Goliaths in our own lives, they can seem overwhelming, but we know that God gets involved in the mess of life. He's right there in the prison cell. He's right there in the suffering. We don't have all the answers, but God redeems. God is about changing lives and bringing freedom. He's done it through Jesus. Jesus is, if you like, our slave king. He emptied himself of all his glory, took on the form of a servant, made himself nothing for our salvation. He became obedient unto death on the cross and now he's exalted to the highest place. We see in Joseph a picture of Jesus. I want to read the last passage, please, Caroline. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The brothers still have a slave mindset. They say, well, you know, I want to preempt him. You know, we'll be your slaves. They're a bit like the prodigal son returning home to dad. Oh, I'll just be your servant. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. We are your slaves. But Joseph says, am I God? I don't want you to be my slave. I don't want to control you. I am not Andrew Tate. <laughs> don't be afraid. And these famous words, you intended to harm me, but God intended it. Good. Now, please don't read this wrong. Don't think, oh, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, it's all fine, isn't it, really? It's all part of God's plan. It's still evil. It's still suffering. It still shouldn't happen. What the brothers did was wrong. But God is a God of miracles, and he works good out of what is bad. He brings salvation where people need to be saved. He brings freedom where there's captivity. Jesus came to bring freedom to the captives. When we look at this big picture, we can have hope because we know God is working. God delivers, God redeems, God brings freedom. And he's saying to us, don't be afraid. God is working his purposes out. God is saving many lives. So Lord, we bless you that you are on the throne. And that you call us not to be afraid, but that you will provide. Lord, as we just dip our toe into this subject, this evil injustice that takes place today we just entrust ourselves to you we entrust those caught up in this to you lord yes this feels too big for us but we just trust you and we turn to you today have your way lord stir our hearts there may just be one of us who wants to get involved in a charity 
There may be others who want to give money. There are different ways we can get involved. But Lord, we just give ourselves to you, Father. Thank you, Lord. That you see injustice and you can be trusted because you're good. Holy Spirit, we invite you to stir in our hearts, to share your passion for justice, and to share in your hope. We invite you.